Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Last Sunday, we started our Advent series, and we, uh, we're the, the, the series this, this year is Celebrate Christmas. That's our theme. And, and last week, we talked about how the angels celebrated. And, and this Sunday, we want to talk about how uh, the shepherds celebrated. And so we're going to go on a journey uh, with the shepherds. And this journey is going to take us from terror to celebration. That, that we're going to go all the way from just, you know, scared out of your mind abject terror to celebration and, and that journey that the shepherds made uh, on the night that Christ was born. So uh, we're going to look again in Luke 2, but before we read the scripture, would you join me in prayer one more time, please? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and thank you for the privilege we have now of opening your word. And, and Lord, I pray that we would not just um, be hearers, but we would be doers, Lord, that, that we would receive your word as coming from you, uh, Lord, that you would speak to us. Uh, we thank you that your word is alive and it is true, and so, Lord, we commit uh, our hearts and our minds this morning to the process of, of learning from you and reading your word. We pray this, all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Now, Acts 2, beginning in verse 8, we read this last week, It says, in the same region there were shepherds in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So that is the beginning of the story. Uh, That's the angel appears to the shepherds. And then the passage continues in this way in verse 15. Then the angels went away from them into heaven, and the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. So it begins within the same region. Uh, we talked a little bit about this last Sunday, uh, that they were, near, they were about two miles outside of Bethlehem. They were in an area where many scholars believe they raised the sheep that were, de- that were destined for the temple for sacrifice uh, in Jerusalem. And, and so these, were, these shepherds were the night watchmen uh, of the shepherds. There's, they were the... Uh, There's a play on words there. They were the watching watches, that their job, the shepherd's job, was to have exactly the same number of sheep in the morning as they had started out with the night before. That's what they did for a living. 
Uh, that, that was their job, to have the same number of sheep in the morning that they did, that they had the night before. Somebody's going to come and they're going to count heads and they want the same number of sheep. That's your job. Make sure tomorrow morning you haven't lost any sheep, that we have exactly the same number and that is their job. Now, one of the things we know, and we usually talk about this during the Advent season, is that <clears throat> these particular shepherds were the night watchmen. So shepherds, by nature of their jobs, were out of the, t- uh, the city. They were out of the town. They were away from the synagogue. And so they missed out on lots of the celebrations. They missed out on times in the synagogue. They missed out on, on rituals. And so they were often so far out um, and missed so much that they were considered unclean. So they weren't allowed, even when they were in town, to participate in, in a lot of the things at the synagogue. In fact, they were considered unclean clean to a point where they weren't even allowed to testify in court. Their testimony had no value. That's kind of where they ranked in the social strata. Uh, They were the lowest of the low, and then we have the night watchmen, who were the lowest of the low of the low. And they had virtually no status. They had no power. They had no place in their, in their society. They were the night watchmen. They're out in, with their sheep. And we have the story that the angel of the Lord came to them and shown, uh, and shown himself to them. And the glory of the Lord, this brightest light that anybody had ever seen, shone around them. And they were scared to death. In fact, the, the language there, it says there was a great fear. Um, the, the Greek actually is phobeo, phobeo, uh, any time in the Greek that you want to emphasize something and really uh, make a big deal out of it, you'd repeat the word. Now, phobeo, we get our word phobia from that. Uh, so they were afraid, afraid. They were scared to death. Uh, it's dive for cover, uh, faint dead away, run for help. Uh, they, you know, they, they were absolutely terrified by what they saw. And, and again, as we said last week, who wouldn't be, right? You're up there on the mountain. You're, it's a normal night. Uh, you're doing your normal thing. You're watching sheep. It's pretty boring. It's pretty mundane. Uh, nobody really cares about you unless, of course, you lose some sheep. And they're out there. And all of a sudden, this angel appears in this great light. And they are absolutely terrified. Now, the angel of the Lord, the first thing that he says to them is, fear not. And that's such a great line, isn't it? Okay, you've just seen the scariest thing that you've ever seen in your life. You've seen the most awesome power that you've ever seen in your life. And what is he, that the best he can do is to say, fear not. Don't be afraid. Uh, But he follows this by saying, don't be afraid, and here's why. He's not just saying, stop being afraid. But he's saying, don't be afraid because I have great news for you. I have something that's going to bring you great joy. This is the biggest thing that you ever have heard of. This is the big, bigger than anything you've ever imagined. And we have, are going to tell you. And what's powerful about this is that the angel didn't appear to the emperor. The, emperor, the, the angel didn't appear to Caesar Augustus. The angel didn't appear to the high priest. The angel didn't appear to the most prominent people in Jerusalem or Rome. But the angel appeared to shepherds, the lowest of the low, out watching their flock. And what the angel of the Lord is saying is that the gospel, the good news of great joy, is for everybody. Nobody's going to get left out. It's not about your prominence. It's not about your education. It's not about your place in, the, in society. But it, it's about 
the God, it's about God who loves you and he is shown up in this place and he wants you to know that this good news is for everybody. Nobody's gonna get left out. And so that night, above everything else, the angel appears to the shepherds. And he says, don't be afraid because I have great news. Now there's five little pieces in our journey that we're gonna look at this morning and the first one is fear not. And then the second one is behold, which is a really great Bible word that we'll, we'll talk about. The third one is listen well. Uh, the fourth one is receive peace. And then finally, celebration. So we're gonna look at fear not, look or behold, listen well, receive peace, and, and cel- celebration. So the shepherds are out there. The angel says fear not. Uh, the angel says, because there's great news. I have great news. Uh, I have good news of great joy for you. And I want you to understand that fear is one of the great obstacles in our lives. Uh, fear, fear is an obstacle for people that when we're afraid, it paralyzes us. When we're afraid, uh, we don't see things clearly. When, when we're afraid, we're, we're thinking of, you know, flight or fight. We're thinking of self-preservation. We're thinking of all kinds of things, and it's easy for us to miss what's going on around us because uh, we're afraid. And, and so fear is a real obstacle for us. It, it may be fear in our lives, uh, because we all experience this, it may be fear of rejection. Uh, it may be fear of failure. Uh, There are all kinds of fears in in our lives, but fear becomes an obstacle. Fear was going to be an obstacle for the shepherds uh, until the angel said, no, fear not because I bring you good news. I bring you good news of great joy. Uh, There there are a number of stories in the Bible about this, so uh, the question is, um, can people perceive, can we perceive the good news is good news for us? Adam and Eve were afraid of God after eating the fruit, We're designed for a perfect relationship with God, Uh, so if you have a perfect relationship with the all-powerful, loving Lord of the world, you would have no fear at all. You would not be afraid of any of him or anything else. That's the original plan for all humankind. But we fear so many things. Failure and rejection. But if you're completely filled with God's love and you don't care what other people think, Uh, We fear for the future, our future and our circumstances, but if you knew God perfectly and that he is good and in control, you would trust him. Uh, That here's what the angel wants us to understand, that fear becomes an obstacle until we know who we trust, Uh, until we understand who God is. And so the very next thing uh, that the angel says is, behold, Now, behold is this interesting word. In fact, uh, some uh, translations of the Bible have cut this word out because they think it's archaic, but there's there's really a Greek equivalent to it uh, in this passage. And here, uh, literally, what it says is, do not be fearing, but be perceiving. Do not be fearing, but be perceiving. So here's what the angel says. Look, pay attention, don't miss this. Something so great is happening and I don't want you to miss it because you're in shock. I don't want you to miss it because you're afraid. I don't want you to miss it because you're not paying attention. You, you know, when I, when I do a, um, a wedding, uh, I always tell the young couple, uh, listen, I'm gonna tell you when to walk up and I'm gonna tell you when to face each other and I'm gonna tell you when to face me and when to hold hands And then when we get to the vows, I'm gonna help you through the vows. I'm gonna make sure that all of this stuff is done for you because I don't want you to miss anything. 
in the ceremony. I don't want you to get six months or a year down the road and feel like your wedding was a blur and you don't really remember what happened because you were so focused on am I standing in the right place? Am I turning when I'm supposed to? Am I saying the right thing? Am I remembering what I'm supposed to be doing? I don't want you so focused on that that you miss what you're doing. You miss this moment that you, you don't remember looking into each other's eyes. You don't remember holding each other's hands. You're, you're not aware of the vows, the promises that you're making to each other right now. I don't want you to miss any of those things. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you through that because I want you to pursue what's going on. I want you to be in the moment. The angel's trying to help the shepherds to be in the moment. He says, fear not because I have good news of great joy. Now look at what's happening. Pay attention, perceive, be in the moment because this is bigger than you ever dreamed. It's greater than you could ever imagine. A savior is born. The Messiah, the one that you've been waiting for, the one that's been told over years, uh, the the one that's been prophesied, the, the one that you've been waiting for, that you've prayed for, all of those things, that he has come, God has kept his promise. He sent his son, a savior is born. And it reminds us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's called us to trust him. And, you know, maybe the greatest fear for us, if we really think about it, is our fear of loss of control. Maybe the greatest fear, the greatest obstacle we have is the fear of losing control, not controlling our own lives. And, you know, fear fear is sort of an interesting thing. Now, I can remember that, uh, I I can remember having uh, cancer surgery and being a little bit afraid, but of course, I have the benefit of stories like this, right? I, I mean, I, I have other benefits, but at the same time, I still am on this bed, and there's an anesthesiologist, and he's going to put me under, and I, I'm not sure if I want to go under, I, because I am completely lose control at that point. I have to let him put me to sleep and I'm not gonna remember, I'm gonna be helpless, I'm, I'm not gonna have any control over anything and, and that's, that's the moment right there that I'm thinking, I don't know if I wanna do this. I'm not sure I like the feeling of, of being helpless, of being out of control and that paralyzes us often because we, we like to be in control. We, we strive for being controlled. In fact, the, the Bible challenges us often uh, that we want to be the kings uh, of our own life, that, that we want to be in charge uh, of our own lives, that, that we don't like anyone else having control over us and, and, uh, and having lordship over us. But until we understand that, that God, has, God has called us to live our lives under his control and under his authority, uh, th- that we'll, we'll never really see what God has for us. Uh, we'll, we'll miss what God really intended for us in our lives. And we're being reminded of that with the shepherds. Uh, until we understand this, that, that we can only be happy if we're ho- holy under the control of, of God in our lives, that we've given our lives to him. And, and you know, think about it for a second, because it, if you really stop and think for a minute, the God who created everything, the God who hung the moon and the sun and the stars and, and did all of that, the, the God who loved us so much that, that he sent his son to, to give his life for us, that God says, I want control of your life. And, and I think, who am I to say, oh no, I can do that better than him? I'm smarter than him? I deserve to have more control over my life than, than him? 
when, when you think about it in that context, it feels sort of dumb. It, it feels sort of silly. It's a little bit embarrassing that, that I would actually think that I could do a better job in my life than the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who created all living things, uh, the, the God who loved me so much that he didn't spare anything for me, but sent his son to, to give his life. The very idea that I might do a better job running my life than him, it's a little embarrassing when I think about it. The angel wants the shepherds to understand that the God who committed all of those things, that God has come, that a savior has been born and he doesn't want them to miss it. He says, behold, and then the next thing uh, that we're reminded of is that he wants them to listen He says, this is how you will find him. He will be in a manger. Uh, He'll be in a manger. He'll be wrapped in swaddling cloths. And and if this sounded a little weird to the the shepherds, it, it, it ought to, because here's the truth about God, is that he always shows up in ways that we don't expect. God didn't show up uh, in in a palace in Rome. God didn't show up at the temple in Jerusalem. God didn't show up in any of the places that we would have expected him, but here is the God of the universe in a stable, in a manger with Mary and Joseph, and he chose to show up that way, and the the shepherds needed to pay attention or they were gonna miss that. The angel wants them to listen to what's going on. I want you to pay attention, listen well, because I'm coming in ways that you'd least expect it, and one of the problems that we have in our lives is that God often shows up in, the, in ways that we least expect him. He often shows up when we're not looking. Uh, he often shows up in the middle of a crisis or in the middle of trouble or in the middle of a hard time. And, and so often we are so quickly to gr- grabbing control and, and trying to solve problems or trying to get away from whatever's p- troubling us or, or whatever's going on that we miss God in the middle of it. And he's saying, I want, you to be, I want you to look, I want you to perceive, and now I want you to listen because I'm gonna show up. But it might be in a place, it might be in a way that you least expect it. Now, here's another interesting part of the story is that it says that the shepherds started telling everybody around them what had happened, and it said people wondered at what they said. Because, it, can you imagine that they're, they're going through town, they're running toward Bethlehem, they're shouting uh, maybe at the people in houses, and, and as they get to Bethlehem, they're calling out, the Savior has come, the Savior has been born, and people are poking their heads out their window, and they're saying, these are the night watchmen. These are the shepherds. They've been drinking up there again. Who would pay attention to them? Who would listen to them? They can't can't testify in court. They have no credibility. They're the lowest of the low. And sometimes we miss the message because we're pre-qualifying the messenger. Sometimes we miss the message because we, we, we want to know what the credentials are of the messenger, that we want the messenger to prove him or herself first before we'll listen to the message and we miss the message that God has. God came to the shepherds. They proclaimed that the Christ was born. And it may have been, it may have been in this story that there should have been more people that were at the stable that night, but they didn't come. They didn't believe because it was the shepherds that were telling the story. And they didn't listen to him and they missed it. And I think we need to be careful in in our lives that we don't miss the message because of the messenger. 
You, you know, uh, if you're a parent, you know the kind of lessons that you learn from your kids sometimes. And we don't always like those messages or we don't always want to pay attention or we're always, we, maybe we're focused on something else, but, but God teaches us lessons through children. God teaches us lessons through other people, people that we don't know, people that, we, uh, that maybe don't have the credentials that we would prefer, but God speaks to us and he speaks his truth to us and, and God wants us to hear the message. He wants us to listen well. Well, they must not have talked about it very long because the story says that they made haste now uh, to Bethlehem, that, that they hurried, they ran as fast as they can. Um, bye, Gabriella. Uh, they make, make haste is, you know, pull up the tunic and spread as fast as you can. They have about two miles to go uh, to get there, and they got there as fast as, as they can to see this thing that God has told them about. Their fear turned into recognition, which turned into excitement and hope, and immediately they started to, uh, down to Bethlehem, and they started telling everybody they saw along the way what had happened. That, that they started this transition already, that they went from abject terror, from terror and fear, to suddenly excitement and hope that could this be true? Could the stories be true? Could the prophecies be fulfilled? Has God shown up? We've always prayed for that. We've always talked about that. We've heard about that since we were little. Could it be true? Let's go as fast as we can and find out what's happened. Find out if it's really true. And so the shepherds get there. They tell people along the way, and now, and now they get to the now they get to the manger. Now, what's really interesting about this is I think about it. You know, an angel spoke to the shepherds, and everybody else got the shepherds, uh, and and had to decide: Are we going to listen to shepherds or not? You know, after the resurrection, Jesus stayed for forty days. He taught his disciples for forty days, and the disciples got Jesus but then everybody else got the disciples. And they had to decide, do, do we listen to the disciples? Uh, do we listen to their story? They were uneducated. Uh, they were, uh, you know, they didn't hold high positions in, in government or in society. Uh, they were fishermen and, you know, they, they just, they were regular people, probably illiterate. But there was one thing about the shepherd, there was one thing about the disciples that if you read in Acts 2, uh, that one of the things that marked them, one of the things that people said about them is that yes, they're, they're not learned. Uh, yes, they have no high positions, but they've been with Jesus. And their credibility didn't come from their education or their social status. It came from the fact that they had been with Jesus. Their message, their credibility, the power of what they said came from the fact that they had been with Jesus. And any of us can carry that. Any of us can live that. We shouldn't ever make the mistake that if, that if I can just reach some high position, if I can just become a prominent person, if I can just become famous or, or well-respected or whatever it is, that, that then people will listen to me when I tell them about Jesus. But that's never the criteria. The criteria is always that we've been with Jesus, that we know him intimately, that he's the power, he's our Lord. We've come from death to life through Christ. We proclaim what we've seen 
and what we've experienced. We proclaim Jesus because we've been with him. So the next thing is receive peace. What the angel said is peace on earth. There's a more literal translation. Peace on earth for those whom his gracious kind, on whom his gracious kindness rests. Peace on earth for those on whom his gracious kindness rests. Peace comes because of the grace of Jesus. Peace comes because of the kindness uh, of Jesus. The Bible says that the most fundamental and important peace is peace with God. The peace that really matters the most uh, is peace with God. Our hearts naturally want to be king, and so our hearts are naturally hostile to God. Adam, Adam and Eve... Uh, Adam and Eve were afraid of God when he came into the garden, uh, that our hearts become hostile to God, and God has called us to peace. So there are at least two ways that we miss this truth. You, You may be a person this morning who just simply defies Christ defies truth. It says, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to go my own way. I want to be in control of my own life. I'm not buying any of that stuff, and I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I'm going to be the king of my life. I'm going to control my life. That's how I'm going to live my life. And, and you might be that person. And, and so here, here's what I want you to understand that this, this morning is that I, uh, my prayer is that you would be on a journey like the shepherds, that you wouldn't be afraid of what you're going to find if you really seek Jesus. That, that, you wouldn't, that you would give up that fear of, of losing control of your life be, and, and do an honest and careful look at who Jesus is and not miss what he offers you. But, but you might be the second kind of person. You might be the religious person. And, and, and often religious people say, well, I, I'm gonna obey the Bible and I'm gonna do all these good things and, and I'm gonna be one of the good guys. And if I'm one of the good guys and if I really obey the Bible and if I really do all those good things, then God's gonna owe me and he's gonna owe me a blessing in my life and he's gonna owe me comfort and security and, and safety and happiness and, and all of those kinds of things. And, and, and so we, we kind of make this deal with God. We sort of have this thing with God that that I'll be one of the good guys and I'll obey as long as God then blesses me as a result of that, as long as God takes care of me. The only problem with this is that both the person who's defying God and the person who's trying to cut a deal with God are both people that are trying to control their own lives, that they haven't given up their lives to Jesus that they're still trying to control. You see, we do this all the time. Okay, Lord, I'm one of the good guys, so this is how my life is supposed to go. That The good guys win. The good guys have comfort. The good guys have security. Uh, the good guys have a blessed life. We get all those things. I do these things, and you do the, those things for me. I was meeting with a dad whose son was playing freshman football, and he wasn't getting any playing time, and so the dad let him quit the team. And I said, why did you let him quit the team? And he said, because he wasn't getting rewarded for what he was doing. I said, what was he doing? He was showing up to practice. So you're telling me that just because you show up, um, you know, Monday to Wednesday and then Friday afternoons or whatever it is, that, that the result of that is that, that the coach is supposed to reward you with playing time. And he said, yeah, it's kind of like a paycheck. You go to work every day and, and they're supposed to pay you. What if they don't decide to pay you? What if your boss doesn't pay you one time? What, what do you do? You're telling me that you're gonna let your son quit something because he's just shown up and he's supposed to get rewarded. What kind of lesson is that for him? 
And we have this long conversation about what it means to say, I'm gonna make a commitment and, and stick with it, and, and it's their responsibility, it's his responsibility, if there's playing time or whatever, my responsibility is to keep showing up, to, to be faithful to, to the process that we, we wanna control the outcome, we wanna make a deal with God, we wanna say, God, if I, if I show up on Sundays and, and, and I obey certain things and, and I'm, on, you know, I'm on the right side of, of these things, then you owe me, God, and God doesn't owe us anything. God already did everything. He already sent Jesus to give us life for us. We have eternal life through Christ. We've already been given the greatest gift anyone could ever have. And now Jesus is saying, what I'm asking is that you give me your life. What I'm asking is that you trust me with your life. And he says the result of that is you go from terror to look, to listen, to peace. And here, here's, here's the thing about peace. Don't, don't define peace as feeling good. Don't define peace as feeling safe. Uh, don't, 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 don't define peace as, as some sort of warm feeling that, that you get that everything's gonna be okay. Because here's what peace is. Peace is the, um, peace is the opposite of chaos. Peace is the opposite of striving. It's the opposite of war. Um, we can have peace in the middle of the worst times in our lives. We can experience God's peace in, in, in the middle of the greatest turbulence and, and struggle of our lives, but experience God's peace because our lives belong to him, because we trust his process, because we've given him control over our lives, and the result of that is that we experience peace. It's the opposite of the fear that we had before, but now we experience his peace, and it's not built around circumstances, it's not built around uh, what's going on in our lives, but it's built around who he is and what he's done and that he has said look fear not I bring you good news of great joy I am offering you my peace I want your life and what I give you is something that you can't get on your own it's not something that you can manufacture or make up but it's a peace that I give you it's the peace of my spirit and he offers that to us the Bible teaches us that there's no peace on earth until there's peace with God you can't legislate peace, you can't make peace with power, but there's never gonna be truly peace on earth until there's peace with God, and there's not gonna be peace in our lives until there's peace with God. Christmas means that through the grace of God and his sacrifice and sending his son, that peace is available to us. And if you make peace with God, then you can go out and make peace with everybody else. If you make peace with God, then you can go out and make peace with, with everybody else. So here's the last thing, the celebration. You, you see, the, 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 the shepherds didn't say, you know what, this is such a cool thing that let's send out some invitations and let's have a party and let's tell everybody and, let, and let's, let's just and celebrate what we've seen. Uh, that's not how it happened. That they had gone through this experience from fear, from terror, to seeing what God was doing, to listening to the good news, the message of good news and joy. That they had experienced now the peace that God offered and the result of that was spontaneous celebration. Not something that they planned, not something they decided to do. They, it just burst out of them. It just came out of them. I think the greatest celebrations are the ones that just happen to us. 
The greatest celebrations are the ones that just come from inside and bust out and there's nothing you can do about it and you didn't plan it and you didn't know it was coming, but it just boils out of you. It's a real celebration. Verse 20 says, And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. They celebrated because what God said was true. They celebrated because God keeps his promises. Uh, They celebrated because they had experienced a miracle that night. And here's what the Lord is saying is that you can experience that miracle. You can experience that peace. You can have that same joy, that same celebration in your life by giving your life over to Christ, by turning control over to your life. Don't just try to hang on to part of it. Don't don't just say, Lord, I'm gonna give you some of it, but I'm gonna keep some for myself. There's a verse in in the Gospels, uh, particularly Matthew 22, where somebody asked Jesus one day, what's the greatest command? And if you've been to Sunday school like three times in your life, you've heard this verse, right? It's, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And then Jesus said, the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. But here's what he says. He says, what's the greatest commandment? It's to be all in. It's to give all of yourself to Jesus. It's to love him with everything that you've got, all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength, that you don't hold anything back. You say, Lord, I want you to have all of me. I wanna love you with everything that I have. I wanna love you with my mind. I wanna love you with my heart, with my soul, my strength. I don't want to keep anything for myself. I want to give all of my life to you because I know that that is the way that I experience your peace. That's the way that I'll experience your joy. That's the way that I will experience a spontaneous celebration of my soul that nobody else can give me but nobody else can take away from me in my life. That's how you get it. That's what he offers us. And who wouldn't want that, really? Why are we so tough? Why, why, why do we have such a hard time listening? Why do, why do we want to hold on to things that don't really matter, to things that don't really give life, just so we can say we can? Just so we can say we did? <laughs> are, you, are we just trying to impress ourselves? Are we trying to impress somebody else? Why, why do we hold on to those things when God offers us so much? and he's been faithful to do it for so long. And, and, still, and still we hold on. The shepherds are no longer afraid. They're joyous, they're grateful, they're bold. They have heard and they have seen that Christ the Lord has come and they're part of it. Their fear has been replaced by peace and that peace produces joy and that joy causes them to glorify and praise God, the one who offers them peace. So, Here's the idea this morning. Maybe there's, maybe there's two questions this morning to think about, to ponder, as it says Mary did. What, what, are, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of this morning? What is it that you're holding on? What is it that drives you to keep some control? Uh, what is it that keeps you from giving your whole life to Christ? What are you um, afraid of this morning? And then the second question that would follow that is, what are you you celebrating? What are you joyful about this morning? 
What is it in your life that just brings a smile to your face, that creates spontaneous joy in your heart, that lifts you up? Because what I want you to understand is the only thing that really, and the only one that really can do that for us is Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And, and Lord, so, um, so amazed at your patience with us and your grace. Lord, you've done so much. You've given us so much. And yet, Lord, we still have this tendency to want to hang on. We still have this tendency to want to be the, the kings and the queens of our own lives um, to try to control our lives, try to control other people's lives. And Lord, uh, it doesn't work out very well. And it certainly doesn't please you. So Lord, I ask this morning that, that whatever it is that creates fear in our hearts, um, Lord, that you would be our peace. Uh, Lord, that you would remind us that the good news is for us as much as it's for anybody else. And Lord, that what we would experience as a result of your peace is a spontaneous celebration, a joy that, that comes from our heart, that comes from within, that only comes from you. Uh, Lord, that we would know the joy of belonging to you. That we would celebrate with the saints and the angels. That we would celebrate with each other, Lord, that we belong to you. So Lord, we give you praise and honor and glory for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor. I love that line, here comes heaven. If you read the Gospels, and one of the things that Jesus says is the kingdom of God is near, or the kingdom of God is at hand, uh, that heaven has come. Uh, then he went, his disciples asked him, teach us to pray. He said, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that when Christ came, heaven came uh, down, that we experience that through Jesus. And that's a powerful picture for us, a, a powerful metaphor of who Jesus is and, and what he brings. Uh, so um, my, my prayer this morning is that, uh, is that maybe we'll take a little bit of, just take a deep breath and, and ask ourselves, what, what am I afraid of? What, what am I holding on to? What keeps from me from enjoying uh, you know, the peace of, of Christ uh, in my life? And, and then maybe through that, we'll really think about what does it mean to celebrate Jesus uh, this holiday season? What, what does it mean to, to enjoy who Christ is in our lives and, and to be filled with his grace and filled with his joy uh, during this holiday season. So uh, I'm, I'm praying I'm, that, that God will, uh, will move in our hearts and, and help us with that. And we'll have prayer partners in the corner. As always, if you'd like prayer this morning, please stop by and they would love to pray with you. Uh, and they're good at it, by the way. Uh, and then also our prayer table that you, would, uh, you could stop there and, and put your prayer requests down. 
uh, if you're new, that's okay. Please feel free to take advantage of that. We just love praying for you and, and with you. And uh, if you feel like, wow, people have huge things and mine's not very important, shame on you. Everything's important. So put it down and we'd love to just pray and, and, and know what's going on. And then also, if we've been praying for you and, and there's been a change in your circumstances or, or there's a praise that God's answered that prayer, we'd love to hear about that as well because we always start our prayer time by giving the Lord thanks for, for what he's done and, uh, and praising him. So uh, we, we, we'd love to have you be part of that with us. So take advantage of those things. And, and my prayer is simply this, that we would experience the joy of Christ during this holiday season, that, that celebration would be something that would happen spontaneously in our hearts because of who Christ is, because of the peace that we experience through him. All right? I love you guys. Have a great day. God bless. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.